You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, good morning, Tom. Good morning, Richard. Yeah, down here uh, in the uh, high atop the Blue Ridge, got my Dr. Pepper here, but it's it's raining, and and you have blue skies, so I'm I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, Eastern Tennessee and, today's blue skies, nice. And uh, yeah. there's a big car show today in Lenore City, which is just south of Knoxville. It's like six, seven hundred cars of all types. So uh, I may head down there after the show's over, so uh, just to explore and see what's out and about. You never know what shows up at a local car show. You know, you just never know. No, you you know you find stuff you know that you've never seen before. You think you've seen everything. And then out of the blue, something pops up. Somebody's brought back out. They haven't had it out in years. Um, I know here locally, um, a number of years ago, I thought I'd seen everything locally. In fact, uh, you know, of course, our population here is not the size of Knoxville and that area out there. But uh, cool stuff, but you see the same stuff all the time. And then some guy showed up with a 1930 DeVoe. You know, just wow. out of the blue. And uh, it had been here, um, you know, his name was Debo. Um, he was like a distant cousin or something. And uh, anyhow, but uh, yeah, just popped up out of, out of nowhere. So you've made the transition from the stoop to uh, in Brooklyn to uh, Eastern Tennessee. And uh, I understand you even found some pizza that you like down south. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, we really did. We down in the old city of Knoxville, which is the old historic district, and there's art galleries and brew pubs, and they got this place called Da Vinci's, and uh, the guy is from, of all places, Long Island. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty good pizza. So uh, we've gone back there three times already. Only found it two weeks ago. (laughs) Wow, I was getting ready to say, you just found it. You've been back three times already. That's that's fantastic. (laughs) When I uh, come down to uh, visit the uh, brother and sister-in-law, we'll we'll have to get together and go by there. Yeah, without a doubt. And if... uh, I, I just joined the AACA chapter of Eastern Tennessee, and they're putting on uh, their big show, and that's going to be July 16th in Townsend, Tennessee, which is in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. It's a beautiful little town surrounded by mountains, and it's going to be a nice AACA event there for the AACA region in North Georgia and you know, uh, Western North Carolina. So that should be an interesting meet with lots of cars showing up. So I'm real excited about that show. So if you come down to uh, Knoxville in July, make it the 16th. We'll go over to Townsend. Yeah, yeah, maybe do. Maybe we'll do that. The uh, You know, hopefully those AACA guys won't throw me out on my ear, you know. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's a... <laughs> it's a that's a great place to have shows down there. That whole area down there, um, you know, in the Smokies, lots of great car shows, um, lots of great rallies, too. Lots of stuff going on down your way. 
um, a whole yeah, lot more than we have going you know, on up here. Yeah, Taylor the Dragon, uh, through the Smokies and all those great roads. But, you know, nearby in uh, uh, Savaleville and Pigeon Forge, there are car shows there every weekend practically because it's such a more like a central location between north-south and you've got, you know, Charlotte on the other side and Nashville on the other. And you got Dolly. And, yeah, you Dolly. Dollywood is right there, and, 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 and that's the thing. There are so many things for families to do. There are literally hundreds of places for families to enjoy while dad's at the car show, you know, hanging with his buds. And uh, it's just one of those spots that are just is ideal for a national convention and car show and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see something there happening one day soon with the AACA. Yeah, it'd be great, great to have an AACA. Yeah, I've, I've always thought we should have an AACA event down there. It's just centrally located. It's just perfect. You know, and, and the, the, whole, the locals are accustomed to having all the cars there. So, uh, you know, they've already got the red carpet out for everybody. Yeah. So so what's, what's new in the old car world on your end? Anything happening in Virginia? Um, well, we got something happening over in West Virginia. Um, you know, this weekend now today... Uh, the Richmond region of the AACA has got their show, uh, really a good size show. Several hundred cars should be there at that show. You know, everything from mild to wild, um, you know, and in between, uh, they usually have a great swap meet. In fact, uh, you know, if, if, if we weren't going to, uh, Beckley, West Virginia next weekend, which we'll talk about in a second, I'd, I'd definitely be on my way up to Richmond for the Richmond region, uh, AACA show. Uh, people can go online and check that out. So if you're up there in the Richmond area, I'd encourage you to go over there because it's going to be a really, really good and fun show. Um, but next weekend, um, you and I are going to be out on the road again, and we're going to be over in Beckley, West Virginia. The, uh, for the AACA, um, Eastern Spring Nationals. And it's going to be, uh, in downtown, held in downtown Beckley on Saturday. And like we always say, you know, the best time to check out the cars is probably between nine and three because, uh, you get there a little too early. Some of the cars are still coming in, but all the cars have to be on the field by 11 in the morning. And, uh, the, show field does not usually get released until three o'clock in the afternoon but uh you know once three o'clock comes everybody's out of there because they've been there all morning and all early part of the afternoon so you got to get there generally i i'd recommend you know nine to two yeah i i should be there about uh, 10 o'clock uh i'll be coming with uh, a car load of car parts because they have to the show's over. I'm heading up to uh, Tip City, Ohio, to Macy's Garage to bring him my uh, rear axle assembly and gearbox to rebuild for my TR3. So it's going to be a nice drive, smelling all that grease in the car, the tiny Mini Cooper. You know, <laughs> nothing like smelling yeah, grease and dirt for four hours, five hours. <laughs> at, at least you got the Mini Cooper. Uh, what's some gas mileage on that? Uh, I get about 42, Yeah, which is really there good, you go. and I'm always coasting down hills just to save extra gas. I've always done that. So, uh, yeah, 
42, 43 miles per gallon. And, uh, yeah, like I said, man, yesterday I filled up that Mini Cooper, $71, because you have to use high test, you know, 93 octane, 92. So uh, that was an eye-opener. I think it was 549 a gallon here in Knoxville. Not mm, good. No, no, it's just absolutely crazy, absolutely insane, and, you know. This is not a political thing. It's a, we got to get our act together and do something about that. You know, the, uh, there are a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons, supply chain issues, refinery issues, and so forth. But we're the United States, for God's sakes. We need to be able to fix this. Uh, so hopefully we do. Uh, we can fix it rather easily if we open up the pipelines. End of statement from yours truly. Yeah. No, that, uh, you know, Personally, that's... I've always I, I, as you all know, I have interest in Texas, and uh, I talked to one of the oil companies that I do business with, and it's not a pumping situation. It's not a need for oil or anything else. They can pump all we need, but they have no place to go with it. I have never, ever in my 75 years heard of companies building, retaining uh, they're building tanks to hold the oil that they're pumping right now at the well site. I've never heard of this. And they have no way of getting the oil from the well to the refinery. It's a log jam because wow. somebody cut off the pipelines. Yeah. And, it, and it's this push to electric vehicles. That's what they're trying to force people to do. I'm convinced about that. As oh, well. yeah. So, yep. Then again, where do we get batteries? Hello? Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, well, well, we just have to change things at the uh, voting booth, you know? And uh, But I, it bothers me when people, you know, and, and the mainstream media won't tell the truth about what's going on, but... I, I deal with two different main companies in Texas, and uh, both of them are saying the same thing. They, you know, there's plenty of oil, plenty of oil. They just can't do anything with it. They pump it, and it they can't, well, they stop pumping because they can't do anything with what they pump. So, Unbelievable. Right. Yeah, there are a bunch of, still, uh, you know, hard to believe there, there are quite a number of uh, uh, refineries that are shuttered. Um, I know uh, up up in the northeast, there's a number of refineries that have been shuttered. You know that uh, I guess they just don't want to invest because the future doesn't look too rosy. I guess at the moment for uh, fossil fuel, but we're paying a price, that's for sure. But uh, you're going to have a good time going to Ohio, though. At least you know you know you could eat on the cheap, get some of that pizza. And, uh, you know, toss it over on the passenger side, get you a jug of water, and go, go, go cheap heading out there. The, uh, so I, uh, also had heard about something and we'll try to get more information on it and perhaps in the next week or two, um, have more to say about it. But, uh, I've been made aware of a new fire extinguisher that more or less, um, it's not as clean as uh, Halon. Of course, you know, a lot of people used Halon fire extinguishers because they didn't have all of that dry chemical mess they were 
relatively clean and a lot of hobbyists had them and then um you know epa pulled the plug on on those and then everyone was sort of stuck using those dry chemical extinguishers the dry chemical extinguishers uh you know they the dust goes everywhere it gets into every nook and cranny of your car if you have to use it god forbid under the hood and um you know you end up with a corrosion issue too because the uh, dry chemical that's in there is is corrosive so you know you got to get it all out of there and it's just a complete mess and uh this new fire extinguisher is a water-based, believe it or not, and uh, I've seen a demonstration of it and watched videos of it, and uh, it just does a, a heck of a job, and uh, it uh, just washes off with a hose. So uh, hopefully wow. we'll be talking hey, how much more, is it? more about that. Um, I, how much I is bought it? one. I, I bought one, and it was twenty-five bucks. I think how they're going to you know, paint it. Um, it's every bit as large as the standard, and I don't have all that spec right here in front of me, but it's the volume of it is, is equivalent to the standard um, dry chemical extinguisher that everybody's been carrying in their cars for the last 100 years. Yeah, okay. like 14 inches long or something like that. Time for first right. break. So, um, it, What's that? It sounds like a... Time for the first break. Okay, uh, let's take a break. Time for a break. Get back to that fire extinguisher. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Richard. All right, Tom. So so tell us, where, where can we get this uh, new uh, water-based fire extinguisher? Because, you know... When you go to whether it's an AACA meet or you go to a hot rod, a street rod event, you got to have a fire extinguisher. Everyone needs one. So uh, where can yeah. we buy it? it? Is it for sale now? So it is for sale now, and I will dig out more information. And, and who knows? Um, I spoke with uh, someone uh, from, and it's called Fire Aid, 
Um, I spoke with someone from the, a representative distributor for their company um, who's down in Mooresville, North Carolina, down there in the heart of NASCAR, and uh, he may be able to come on. So uh, maybe we'll, in a future show we'll have him on for a few minutes and just let him give everybody the full uh, full education on it. But, uh, you know, it's the one I bought was $25. They did say, like, everything else is going up, so it might go to 30 But uh, it's still a heck of a deal. If you, you've got a, God forbid, if you have a fire um, and you can use something like that and then just go get that fire out and then just go back and hit it with water and no corrosive action or any of that that you have to deal with, you know, what a blessing that'll be. You know... On all these Facebook groups that I'm at, I see more and more posts that cause of burning up, and it seems a lot of it has to do with the ethanol and the gasoline that is ruining a lot of rubber components and rubber diaphragms in fuel pumps and in carburetors and throughout the fuel system, and then they cause leaks onto the exhaust manifolds, and poof, the car goes up. So, uh, you know, it's makes good sense to carry a fire extinguisher whether you're going to a car show or not so uh that's that's cheap it insurance does. yep it I is agree. and and it's kind of a shame you know it takes 20 pounds of corn to manufacture a gallon of ethanol and of course when you're using that much corn and the government just issued uh orders to produce more ethanol um and blend more ethanol and uh you know, every time you do that, thinking that it's 20 pounds, 20 pounds of corn per gallon to make it, um, you know, corn is used in everything. And uh, so worldwide, it's it's starting to put a pinch in terms of the food supply because we're using so much of it for ethanol. And then on top of it, I don't want to get on my bandwagon, but, you know, it also encourages the farmers to not rotate crops as much because it's so profitable and then it you know really just destroys the land too it's just not a good situation and uh you know it's interesting enough that the even the sierra club has come out against additional ethanol because they say that it actually adds to pollution beyond just regular gasoline so yeah interesting not a fan not a fan of ethanol um you know, and the other thing, you know, while we're on the kick here talking about this, we'll just keep rolling with it, you know, fires. Um, the other issue that you find um, a lot of, you know, and I'm sure you're talking about, you know, like posts out on social media, find a lot of cars, you'll see pictures, and the fire, you could tell, started in the rear of the car. And typically, that's just a lack of maintenance where people, you know, they have their cars mm-hmm. they're sitting in the garage, they get out and they hit the brake pedal. Everything seems good, seems tight. And, uh, what it is is the, um, shoes in the back aren't retracting, uh, wheel cylinders full of crud. And, you know, you hit the brake, the shoes expand and they stick. And then the shoes are dragging on the drum. You're rolling down the highway 55 miles an hour, listening to your happy tunes, you know, window rolled down, enjoying your day. And the next thing you know, that rear drum is superheating and turning cherry red. 
and all that grease and oil that's migrated from the rear end, rear axle the seat past the seals starts to catch on fire. Once all of that catches on fire, then it starts to catch everything else on fire. Gas tanks back there, and the next thing you know, you know, sadly, Kaboom. you're on the side of the road. Kaboom! Yeah, boom. Yes, kaboom. And, uh, so, you know, you really need to be careful um, and and check have your jet brakes checked it every couple of years. Uh, I don't know about you, Richard, but the new uh, a lot of the new wheel cylinders uh, are sourced from China, other places. Um, you know, they're not what I was accustomed to uh, when I had good old Napa or Ray Bestus uh, mm-hmm. right. wheel cylinder and brake parts. But just not the metal quality is not as good. They tend to rust up and lock up and leak more. Yeah, the metal seems to be more porous, and they're not machined to the ultra-close tolerances that they were machined, you know, in America. And some of the rubber components that they use in the wheel cylinders is, is not, you know, long-lasting rubber. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's all suspect. If you have original wheel cylinders, it's better if you could, you know, find a, a rebuild kit and use those as long as the inside of the wheel cylinder is not pitted. Or you could have them brass sleeve. You know, there's places like White Post Restoration and other places that will sleeve the wheel cylinders and calipers. Yep, Apple Hydraulics. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. So uh, that's the way to go. This way you retain, you know, the wheel cylinders and brake components that your car was built with back back in the day. They were built in America, and they're far superior. So that's what I would do. You know, a lot of this new yeah. stuff is just not worth it. No, it, it's it's not. And, it's you know, wheel bearings are the same way. Um, I had bought um, some Brand X wheel bearings. And, oh, no. you know, I won't, I won't mention the name, but it's a very common name out there today. And uh, they don't last. They're good for several thousand miles, and then they're, you know, grinding again. And, you know... The, got flat spots on so you know i've just been buying you know new old stock making sure i get the old stuff um because it actually actually lasts i don't know yeah but you got to you know, be the old timkin bearings you know timkin wood you know great bearings made in america you know quality steel that was you know high tensile strength steel so uh yeah you got to be careful what you use today you really do yeah yeah, but always carry a fire extinguisher, and and we'll get we'll keep you guys up to date on on this fire extinguisher development. And uh, in fact, I plan on taking one with me to uh, Beckley, and so I'll show it to you um, when I when I go to Beckley. I'm going to take and show it to the uh, AACA uh, judging committee and uh, let them give it the the once over. Um, but yeah, it's it's very very promising. So. So we we were also talking about you and I were uh, talking about our, some of our our favorite engines, and boy, that's a tough subject for me. I've got a lot of favorite engines. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I know, right? From the time I was <laughs> yeah, from the time I was a kid, I uh, anything you know anything that burned gasoline, you know, I loved it. And then uh, you know, moving forward, I mean, there's just so much to love about all this 
all these various engines. But uh, what are some of your faves? Well, you know, my, my favorite brand of American engines is Pontiac, and it has been for many, many decades. Because I just love, you know, the engineering that Pontiac did was, uh, you know, always a little different than the other GM divisions. Uh, but the fact that they used different cylinder heads for different combinations, like, you know, if, if you ordered a station wagon with AC and an automatic, you got one type of cylinder head. But if you ordered that same station wagon with a four-speed and no AC, they they put a different type of cylinder head. And they had all these cylinder heads that Pontiac produced had different combustion chambers, you know, uh, different CC sizes and uh, different shapes. And uh, they were just engineered for different applications, the size of the car, the, what transmission it came with, what engine it was attached to. And I always found that very unique. And uh, that's what made, you know, Pontiac, I guess, the excitement divisions, shall we say. But when it came to, uh, you know, foreign engines... Uh, to me, the Alfa Romeo twin cam, uh, that aluminum engine was just a fabulous little engine. You know, it started out with like, uh, the most popular one being 1300 CC and then it went up to 1750 and then 2000 CC. And, you know, you see that those twin camshaft banks up on top, all in aluminum. And uh, it's just a jewel of an engine. I mean, it, it, it sings, it, it high revs, it's ultra smooth, and that is a great, great uh, engine. But, uh, you know, there are so many interesting engines out there. I mean, if, if you ever seen a, uh, a, a uh, what do you call it, a Stern's Knight with oh, the sleeve valve. Unique, the sleeve valve engine, yes. Oh my God! You see that thing in action? It's like, wow! We had such great engineering years and years ago. I mean, that that is an amazing, amazing contraption. Uh, it really is. And you know, Franklin engines being air cooled, I always thought those are fantastic engines as well. So uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of cool stuff out there. Yeah. What about you, you know, Tom? Hudson's my. <laughs> you like them Hudson well, engines? <laughs> no, 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 not me, no. Uh, the, <laughs> sorry. The uh, So, you know, my engines are probably not as, you know, they're not as sexy as an Alfa Romeo engine. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do kind of like the... Uh, Post-war Hudson uh, six-cylinder engines, I have to say, um, the uh, particularly uh, the 262, and and then the 308. The 308 was the uh, the uh, old old rocket killer in the beginning, uh, early part of the 50s. Um, that 308 engine was unbeatable on the on the racetrack. Um, it it won just 90% of the races in 51 and 52 and 53. Um, and it's it time amazing, to take a break. It, and it's time to quit talking about Hudson's and take a break. <laughs> when it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. 
It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the America's Broadcast Network. Thank okay, you for listening. Okay, as we're back Uh-oh. on the air, and uh, I thought since we're doing this for Richard, Richard, you want to make the announcement about what's happening next week? Next week? Next oh, week. It's not my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> no, but no. but you're going to think it's your birthday. <laughs> yes, yeah, we got uh, a little little change coming. We've got Next we've week, got yeah, Richard. He, we've got we've got a camera already installed in his bedroom, sleeping in next week for an extra hour. We're moving the classic right, show. car show from yeah, nine o'clock. We go on the air next week. Yeah. nine a.m. You don't have to get up early. At 8 a.m., folks, anymore, 9 o'clock starting next Saturday, it's going to be fabulous. We get that extra hour of sleep. We're able to talk better, talk clearer, come up with nicer ideas instead of, you know, sitting here in a fog at 8 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, yeah, 9 o'clock next week, folks. And the uh, auto I'm not going to be sweating whether or not you call in or not. <laughs> and the autumn moves in. to uh, 10 o'clock, so we'll have the classic car at 9 o'clock and the auto mall at 10 o'clock. And we've got, I understand there will be some Californians with smiles on their faces that they don't have to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning to listen to the classic car show. They can get up and be up and listen at 6 o'clock, which is normal time for folks. They get up at 6. That might be a little early for Richard, but other folks uh, can make it at 6. And uh, the Central Time Zone will be ecstatic. They don't have to be up until seven or 8 to listen. And uh, so it's good all the way around so be sure to make the change in your heads and your minds on your clocks on your telephones to that the classic car show will begin its new hour next week nine o'clock and the auto mall at ten o'clock and uh, 
I think uh, tell your friends about it. Be sure the word is passed on. And with that being said, we're going to play this and get back to Tom and Richard. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with was that the Richard Lentinello. I think it was. And that's and it's back to you guys. <laughs> so, we were talking about Hudson's before I was unceremoniously booted off the air for, for a break. <laughs> I think Richard was doing that. It had that done on purpose, but... Uh, so yeah, the 3086 just a tremendous engine. Uh, you know, Hudson Engineering was really at the top of their game. It was probably the best designed uh, flathead six at the time period, and probably the, one of the best designed flathead six in, engines of all time. Um, you know, tremendous power, uh, low end torque. Um, that's what really enabled it to do so well out there on the stock car uh, circuit. That. Uh, you know that engine you know the going into the turns the cars had a low center of gravity so the drivers could really hammer those cars into the turns and uh stick a little bit better than everybody else was while everybody else was really lean and the hudsons were digging in and uh coming out of the turns they had that torquey powerful six-cylinder engine that would get them out of the turns faster than everybody else and then of course uh yeah, they were a little better on fuel economy too, and uh, burned a little less fuel. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I I didn't want to disappoint you. Yes, I I love Hudson's engines, but the you know the other there are a couple of others though. Um, <clears throat> one is the AMC two thirty two six, just a, a a workhorse engine. Nineteen sixty four, they came out with that. Um, it was debuted in the uh, Rambler. Typhoon, uh, special edition, um, offered to the dealers to introduce that engine specifically. Um, they were painted solar yellow with black roof and, uh, they had a blacked out grill and some other, uh, unique features, trim features on them, but, uh, they were the first, uh, to sport the 232 six cylinder. And, uh, that engine stayed in production for let me see 42 years all the way from 1964 to uh, 2006 um, in various iterations the final one being the 258 that uh, was used in a lot of the uh, Cherokees and, and Grand Cherokees um, all the way through 2006 and if memory serves me correctly that was the last vestige of AMC to leave Kenosha, uh, where all the Nashes and Ramblers and AMCs were built, um, in 2006 when they shut down that, uh, engine plant there in Kenosha. Um, but, a but a heck of an engine and a major workhorse, um, and, uh, just tough as nails. Some of those, uh, later model Cherokees, you know, from the late eighties, uh, I think the first, that design came out in 84, I believe. And, uh, boy, those things are tough. They easily run 250, 300, 350, 400,000 miles with, uh, proper maintenance. I, I don't, I've got a ton of friends that have those Cherokees, the smaller Cherokees with, uh, just untold amount of miles on them. So it's just, that's a rock solid engine. Um, the other one is the, uh, Chrysler Hemi. 
um, the early first uh, generation uh, Chrysler Hemi, the Chrysler Firepower Hemis, um, they ran from, I think, 1951 through to 1958. It was a really expensive engine to produce, but they were just a, a powerhouse. Uh, the Chrysler products, they were uh, Firepower, Firepower was the brand um, Chrysler's, and then during in the DeSotos that had the the uh, Hemi, they were called the Fire Dome, which I kind of like that name. And then the Dodge was the Red Ram, and I'm not sure um, whether or not that was the first time the name Ram was used in conjunction with Chrysler Corporation or not. Maybe not, um, but it was certainly an impressive impressive entry. Um, I had a 57 Chrysler with a 392 Hemi that had been specially ordered uh, with dual Carter WCFB uh, carbs and a dual exhaust, dual point distributor, and it was just a monster. I loved it. I was only 14 at the time, and uh, you know when I could sneak out and drive that thing around the neighborhood when my parents didn't know, it was a blast. So, uh, yeah, Chrysler Hemi 232. AMC six and uh, of course uh, the Hudson three oh eight. So that you sort know, of rounds out my favorite. Speaking of Chrysler, <laughs> I always love that cross ram with the long intake runners. You know, talk about uh, you know giving an engine talk with all those long runners. I always thought that was pretty cool. But you know, another great engine, which is one of the greatest American engines of all time, is the Packard V twelve. And uh, talk about a silent, smooth spinning engine. Uh, that was the engine that uh, inspired Enzo Ferrari to build V12s for his Ferrari sports cars. But, you know, another great engine is the pre-war uh, Buick, the straight eights, overhead valves, when everybody was still running flatheads and L-heads, F-heads, uh, Buick had overhead valves, and uh, boy, those are great engines. They really are. They're simple and they're strong, all cast iron, and they 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 run so smooth. So those Buick straight eights, and of course, you know the Buick nailhead of the post-war era. You know, uh, that's pretty cool. But another great engine that Buick created was the 215, the all-aluminum V8. You know, and and like that AMC engine, that's been used up until now in Land Rovers. So talk about an engine with long, with a long lifespan because it was so well designed. So the Buick 215, that's another cool little engine, all alloy. So, yeah, definitely a great engine. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people didn't know that uh, those engines ended up across the, across the pond over there uh, in Britain. Um, and in use for for many many years, um, yeah, Im- impressive impressive stuff. You know, I, I got to give a hats off to uh, the Ford Model T engine too. Um, you know, that was prior to the introduction of the Model T. You know, you either really had to be sharp and smart and well read to keep your car running um, when you're out, you know, taking trips. A lot of the earlier cars and uh, the more wealthy owners, you know, they had mechanics ride with them uh, just to keep the cars running. But uh, when 
Henry's tea came out, it was such a simple design. And, you know, the average person could work on them and get them running. And, you know, they would, there was always something that you could do in, unless you had a catastrophic failure. There was always something that could be done to get your Model T running so that you could get, get back home or get to where you needed to go. I've got to got to give a shout out to the Model T engine. Just you know, tough as nails, simple, and really the first engine that uh, was readily serviced by the owner. Um, just a great engine there too. Well, speaking Not of Ford engine, powerful. Speaking of Ford engines, my favorite Ford engine is a two eighty nine V eight. You know, it's a small compact V eight. You know, they used it in the really tight fitting. Engine Bay, the Sunbeam Tiger, and and the AC Cobra, but the 289 is just a great little V8. It does everything you need it to do. It's simple, it's basic, and uh, boy, it it could develop quite a bit of horsepower as Carroll Shelby proven when he used it for the uh, Shelby Mustang. So yeah, the 289. But of course, you know, let's not forget the Chevy small block, you know, with the five stud head. You know, all around the uh, uh, the pistons, and uh, you know, talk about tight feeling of a cylinder head against a block. But uh, Chevy V8, you know, small block, boy, that that may win the award for the greatest American engine of all time. Because you know, it it kind of still around in 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 one form or another today. Uh, yeah, they they just knocked it out of the park when they built that engine and designed it. No, and it, it paved the way for uh, Chevy to actually develop a performance re- a performance reputation. Um, yeah, you know, pr- prior to '55, they were uh, ro- running the Stove Bolt Six that dated all the way back to the late '20s. Now that was a sturdy engine too. Um, you know, you just run the heck out of those things, and they just kept going, going, going. Um, great engine as well, but uh, you know the. I like straight small... six engines. I really do. Yeah, they're, they're, they're way smoother. An inline six is way smoother than a V eight. You know, uh, for obvious reasons, because you know it's 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 all in line, and it's it's six cylinders that are more equally. I don't know how how you would say it, but uh, there's less vibrations because of the six and the fact that they're in line. And uh, I mean, right. I guess that's why Jaguar had the straight six. You know, I mean, you know, Hudson had a straight six. Chevy. I mean, almost everyone. When you think about it, I mean, e- even Pontiac had a had a straight six when they came out with that overhead cam engine in the '60s. And uh, that, that's a unique bit of kit also, as they say in England. But, uh, yeah, straight six engines to me, uh, you know, that that's the way to go. And we got to take well, our last I, break. Uh, up. We're up for another break. Wow. Up for another break already. And we only have uh, 15 minutes to go. So we'll be back right after this. How Since the 1960s. J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, 
or to receive a quote. Contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-266-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Okay, so now uh, for the most uh, scintillating few moments in uh, automotive uh discussion for the week and that is our pick of the week um so we you know richard and i labor long and hard to try to find a good pick of the week uh, we want to make sure that everybody understands that this hobby of ours is still affordable and anybody who wishes to get involved in the antique car hobby can do so it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg and a second mortgage and uh, you can have fun, work on your cars, and, uh, you know, enjoy it all without breaking the bank. And uh, this week's Pick of the Week's a little bit different. It's a little more expensive than our usual Pick of the Week. But I think it still passes our threshold. It's still within our threshold. We can still call it a good, good car because it's, Overall, considering its condition, it's still cheap. Right, Richard? Yeah, relatively speaking, it is pretty cheap. Uh, was it fifteen grand? Fifteen grand. Um, nineteen fifty-six well, Packard. Yeah, nineteen fifty-six Packard, four hundred two-door hardtop. Um, just a great-looking car. Great colors. The. Uh, it's just in really, really, really nice shape. It would cost you so much more if you were going to do a restoration on this car. And we all know that a restoration is a labor of love. It is not a profit-making adventure, um, you know, for the most part, unless you find a really, really rare car and uh, do a lot of the work yourself. Um, 
restoration, it's going to, you're probably going to be upside down by the time you get finished. And like I said, and that's okay, uh, because it's a labor of love. But, uh, you know, if you're on a budget and you want a cool car, you know, this 56 Packard 400 two-door hardtop is, is the ticket because uh, at, there's no way you can come close to putting this car into the condition that it's in for anywhere close to $15,000. In fact, just the chrome work today on that car would probably cost oh, you $15,000, huh? Yeah, the chrome work alone, you got to take out a mortgage. But this doesn't need it. It just needs a good, fine polish. You know, buff out that, was it, turquoise blue paint? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it's towards the end of, you know, Packard production. But it's still a Packard. You know, you still have that, uh, the heritage of the great engineering. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty cool car. I really do. I, I, I would love to own it. Yeah, I, I really love from the, you know, of course, they really did a great, um, you know, Dick Teague, who later went on to run the uh, styling studio at uh, American Motors, um, you know, did a great job facelifting uh, the Packards uh, for 55 and 56. Um, just an amazing job. If you, you know, ever take a look, take a look at a 54 Packard and then take a look at a 55 and the transformation is, is pretty amazing. Yet they were still using all the same basic components. Um, mm -hmm. you know, just the outer body components had been, uh, you know, redesigned and really came up with a beautiful car. I, I prefer the 56 over the 55. You know, if you look at them, <laughs> The 55 kind of looks like it's surprised, you know. I, I don't know. I always look at the, the yeah, it's got a surprised look to it, where the uh, 56 just looks more bold and more determined uh, to get down the road. It's got, uh, you know, really sharply hooded headlamps in the front. Um, it just, you know, has that, like, look of motion to it as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, it's, they only built... Uh, just a little over 3,000 of those uh, 400 two-door hardtops in, in 56. Um, wow. And, you know, they had the new, uh, um, see, the VA, the v Packer V8 came out in 55. Prior to that, they were running straight eight and uh, flathead. Um, and the uh, original V8 was a 352. And then in uh, 56, they bumped that up to 374 cubic inches. You know, the 56 is probably a little more desirable than the 55. Um, you know, the 55s did have some oiling issues in, in the beginning. And, uh, of course, people now, um, you know, have all that stuff figured out. So, you know, you go to rebuild your Packard, uh, 55 Packard VA, you're not going to have any problems. Um, you know, they've gotten most of the bugs out in 56. Um, you know, they had some issues, um, early on and that kind of, that quality control issue kind of hurt their reputation when they came out with these beautiful cars. Um, but most of them were taken care of by 56. Um, if I remember correctly in 56, you could, you had the optional push button transmission, um, in 56 also. And that was a little problematic too. They found that, um, I believe, you know, when they were parked on an incline, um, when you went from park into gear, you know, reverse drive, what have you, um, that the motor that pulled it out of 
park wasn't just not quite strong enough. So, but uh, again, out there in the Packard community, it's really a strong group of follow people follow those cars and collect those cars and know all about them. They had that also that uh, amazing adjustable torsion bar suspension. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, that's why they the like so nice. Yeah, um, you know, just adjust based on the weight level in the car and uh you know when that's all properly dialed in that works works really well surprisingly well too you know there's a lot of uh, really neat um options that uh you know the manufacturers had out in those days that that work really really well you get them dialed in it's kind of like the ford retractable hardtop that came out in 57 um it's just an amazing piece of engineering. You've got all those uh, solenoids and switches and literally miles of wiring. And uh, for the most part, you know, you get everything dialed in, and they're really dependable. It's kind of kind of cool. Uh, I just like the hooded but, headlights on those Packards and the way the trim flows down the side of the car. And, and you know, it, it looks like it's leaning forward a little, the way the front end is you know, designed and the way it's shaped. It just has a great look to it, especially in two-door format. Uh, yeah, that that is a pretty cool car. If I had an extra fifteen grand laying around, I would buy that in a heartbeat. Ah, uh, well, uh, wait a minute. You Maybe said you were going to get a Hudson. You were going to get a Hudson, weren't you? you yeah, you, I want a you Hudson Wasp. You want a Hudson. So, yeah, but we're going to find you a Hudson. Yours. <laughs> <laughs> How many Hudsons yeah. you got? Twenty, thirty? How many you got? <laughs> no, not 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 enough. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, you know the Packard V12. I got to give a I got to give a shout out to the uh, Pierce Arrow V12. Um, I have a, a 35 Pierce uh, V12, but you know, uh, they were the first production engine to use uh, hydraulic valve tappets. Um, oh, were they? Yeah, they were, and uh, you know, really stout engine, and uh, you know, even after Pierce went out of business, the uh, engine went on to be used in in fire trucks all the way up through the seventies. You know, so it's it's kind of cool when you think about it. You know, a lot of these engines have just a a really long long life. Um, you know, what Franklin. Uh, when Franklin ceased building cars, I think they continued to make those engines continued to be made, made as well. I think they were bought out by Bell Helicopter. I swear to that. I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but just just some cool stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great engineering out there uh, on, on you know on both sides of the ocean. There were so many wonderful engines. Like I said, you know the Jag straight six talk about a smooth engine i mean and of course you know you have all the ferrari v12s which are wonderful engines and another straight six is the maserati you know they had those straight six engines and many of them were twin plug so uh yeah there's a lot of cool stuff out there and one of my favorite european engines is was by riley you know you look at that engine you think it's a twin overhead cam but it's not it has the valves placed high in the cylinder head and then you had the cams, which was high in the block, but not in the cylinder. It's a very, it's definitely a unique design. So if you want to check out the Riley engines, uh, you know, you'll be 
find it quite interesting on how they were engineered and designed. Uh, so, yeah, just great engineering out there from every well, even the Porsche, Porsche's flat six, let's face it. That engine's been around, you know, the Volkswagen flat four, air-cooled. That, those things have been around yeah. forever. <laughs> you can't, oh, you yeah. can't kill them. No, that's true. I mean, you know, even when they start to come apart, they they still keep going and going and going. I, I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, uh, growing up, who was a Volkswagen mechanic, and, uh, you know, they'd suck a valve and keep on going. I mean, of course, they'd throw, be throwing oil out the back, but, uh, you know, right. you just kept, they kept running and running and running and running, you know? I mean, you know, the jugs would get loose or this was, would happen, and, uh, and they would keep on getting it, um, you know? So it was always interesting to go by his shop. You know, he always had some sort of interesting uh, calamity to show me. But uh, those little those little engines were tough as tough as nails. The uh, one thing too, what are you going to be working on this weekend? I'm working on my house. Well, at least you're not going to be on the couch. <laughs> okay, no, gentlemen, we got 30 seconds. Show. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not working on the cars today, but hopefully sometime uh, later on next week before I head up to Beckley, West Virginia. But uh, in the meantime, folks, remember, cheap cars are good, cheap tools are bad. Right, Tom? And get off the couch and get in the garage and do something constructive. Yeah? That's right. Playing with cars is fun. Keeps you out of trouble. So, All right, we'll see folks, everybody we'll see next week. weekend. Take care. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.